Well, I wouldn't have been able to have a family. Um, I would have put off having kids for another 10 years because that's what in that world, the mindset is work really hard now and then have kids later in life. Have kids in your late 30s, early 40s. I would have put off my family. Um, If I was to be completely honest, like if I would have kept on doing what I was doing, I would be divorced. I would be 50 pounds overweight. Um, I would have no friends that weren't associated with work. (laughs) And I would probably honestly be an alcoholic. Wouldn't you love to create a business that you love? Well, today, today on today's episode, uh, we're gonna talk about talk about that and uh, <laughs> uh, from a different different angle, a little bit more interesting angle. Because my today's guest, Rachel, will not only mm, tell me and tell you uh, how you can create business you love, but also a business that loves you back. I am James Richman, and this is your daily personal development podcast about what it really means to be human. Now, I understand, you know... If you want to, you know, help people create a business they would love. But how did it come to be that you start to think about, you know, the fact that business could potentially actually love you back? You know, why business that love you back? So I started talking about having a business that loves you back, mainly because I went through this journey, like I think a lot of ambitious entrepreneurs do, which is you think you want to have a business that is successful and that's making great money and that gives you this sense of accomplishment and status. But what I realized is I got all those things and I felt exhausted and tired and burned out and just depleted. I wasn't spending time with my family. I was looking at the wrong things as for what I really needed for my business. So my business does make me feel successful and it does make great money, but that's only part of having a great business. That's only part of my version of success. My version of success for me is all about having this amazing lifestyle that allows me to be with people I love, do other things that I love other than just being an entrepreneur, which I know is hard to believe because entrepreneurs just tend to be like, business, 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 business. Like they don't think about other hobbies or other interests. But for me, it's all these pieces that make up this full, beautiful life. And if I don't design my business in a way that lets me have those or have time for them, then I'm going to hate my business. I'm going to resent my business. It's going to be like that bad relationship with the bad boyfriend who's abusive and says bad things to you. And everybody's like, why do you stick around? But you're like, feeling like you have to be stuck with it because you don't know what else to do. And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs get. They have this weird kind of dysfunctional relationship with their business and they're just not sure how to untangle it and make it a beautiful relationship. And so have you always been like this? 
have I always been with wanting this kind more? Of mi- mi- with this kind of mindset, basically wanting a business mm. that loves you back. Because obviously, the very first time someone no. gets into a business, it's about success and money, isn't it? So when did the shift yes. happen? So um, my first kind of running up against a business that didn't love me back was when I finished my MBA, I went in the consulting world, which is, I think what happens with a lot of ambitious MBAs, you're recruited into big consulting jobs. And I was building a consulting practice, very much in the old school mindset of work hard, play hard, like you're going to work 80 hours a week, you're going to be out all night. It's just a very intense lifestyle. I was traveling all the time, um, literally on the road, like four or five days a week. And finally, I hit a point where my body was just exhausted. I was physically breaking down and I actually had panic attacks that started. So I, one summer I was in the ER like 10 different times. Cause at the time I was only in my mid twenties. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, why in the world am I feeling this way? I thought I was having a heart attack. The next time I thought I was having like a stroke. I didn't know it was like what was happening. I didn't know stress could do this to your body. And when I started seeing the results of so much stress on my body, of lack of sleep, of traveling all the time, um, I just realized this is not the the business I wanted. And people had a, I had a hard time finding people that understood this because on the outside, I had it all together, right? On the outside, I was young, making great money, living what to many people think was like this awesome lifestyle, um, had a very lucrative career, had the brand new car in the driveway, all these, you know, on paper, check, 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 reached all the goals that you're supposed to reach by 30, right? But inside, I was just like miserable and sick. I was physically breaking down. So, um, I actually had to file for disability and take a short-term medical leave of absence from my job because I was so unhealthy at that point. I was just so unwell because of the stress. And that's what kind of shifted it all for me. And that's actually how I knew I would be an entrepreneur at some point. At the time, I thought I would just go into what I was doing, which was financial consulting for entrepreneurs and small businesses. I thought I would continue do- doing that. But it was this whole kind of like breakdown that made me realize, you know what, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe there's another way I can bring like all this experience and knowledge that I have to help entrepreneurs. And it's just going to look different. I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, But when I started healing myself, I found the people I was supposed to help. And that was holistic health and wellness entrepreneurs. I started working with yoga studios and health coaches for myself And then they, in turn, started asking me, like, okay, you have this great business background. How do I make this yoga studio work? Or how do I get more health coaching clients? Or how do I, you know, help people eat better? And I'm sitting here going, well, I really need this information. So I'm your perfect client. Let me help you because I get the other side of it. I get the business and marketing side. And that's kind of how it's all rolled together. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those stories, yeah, that people have to go through hardship and pain to learn these kind of lessons and understand what they want from life. So this is, again, one of those cases. And of course, these are gonna, this, this is going to last, as you know, because, you know, y- y- your body and you yourself remember the pain, the hardship. You'd never want to go back to it. And I think I would like to add the fact that you are quite fortunate. You were quite fortunate. Um in a way that you you were not very good at dealing with stress so that was that thing that uh, <laughs> gave it because 
you know, a lot of people are pretty good at dealing with stress and they are still stuck in that thing, you know. So that was a kind of yeah. a giveaway for you, right? This is not for me. But have you thought um, of what would have happened if you were good at dealing with stress? Would there be any as, uh, other sort of um, giveaway that this is not for you? Um, I oh don't God. know, people started hating you or what? you were not family orientated? Anything else than just, you know, stress? Well, I wouldn't have been able to have a family. Um, I would have put off having kids for another 10 years because that's what in that world, the mindset is work really hard now and then have kids later in life. Have kids in your late 30s, early 40s. I would have put off my family. Um, if I was to be completely honest, like if I would have kept on doing what I was doing, I would be divorced. I would be 50 pounds overweight. Um, I would have no friends that weren't associated with work. <laughs> And I would probably honestly be an alcoholic because I, that would have been my only coping mechanism um, that I was using at that point. Not that I ever got to the point where I was an alcoholic, but it's definitely like other than anxiety medication, which is what they wanted to put me on, I was drinking wine. And that was like, I wasn't exercising. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't doing yoga. I wasn't eating well. I was eating on the road. I wasn't sleeping well. My life would have been horrible. My bank account would have looked really huge. But what's that worth when you have no friends, no family, no health, no, you know, other interests that you have time to cultivate? So now that I look at it, I'm really grateful that I, like you said, that I didn't handle it well. And I need like that my, I feel like that was my inner wisdom. And maybe this sounds a little woo woo. I feel like that was like my intuition and my inner wisdom saying, we're on the wrong path. Time to get off. Stop, stop, stop. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to throw up every red flag we can right now to get you to get off this path that you're on because this is not for you. And, and so what what are the type of, you know what's the profile of the types of people that you help? I've seen you mention such word on your website very often as I never actually pronounced this word before. I've read it mumpreneur, basically mums who are uh, yeah, yeah. Ma ah, mama preneurs, yeah. Uh, mums yeah. who are entrepreneurs, I believe. So are, are those your main sort of customers or you take on anyone? Maybe talk a, a little bit about that. Sure. It's kind of interesting because um, when I first started, I was working with a lot of holistic health and wellness entrepreneurs. And then as I became a mom and talked about becoming a mom um, and how I was balancing it all, more moms were coming to me and some that were brand new moms, like literally they were like either about to have a baby soon and they were kind of terrified because they were like, can my business survive having a baby? They were really worried about how they were going to juggle it all. Um, or they had children already and they were just so overwhelmed. Like they were just completely depleted and worn thin because again, their business didn't love them back. It wasn't, the business model was wrong. The whole systems were wrong. They had no support. Um, but what's been funny about this whole thing is I would say I'm attracting not just mom entrepreneurs. Um, I have a lot of people who are attracted to me because they're looking at what I'm doing and I'm pretty open about sharing this kind of laid back lifestyle I've built for myself. And people are like, okay, I'm not a mom right now. I'm not even thinking about kids right now, but you have time to do this stuff. How do you do that and grow this business? And that's why people keep finding me and coming to me as their friends are like, well, She's, you know, a big part of her life is being a mom, but you say you want to do all these things. You want to run marathons or you want to 
play in your garden all day or you want to do all these other things and you can't do it and grow your business at the same time. Maybe she can help you figure out how to put the right systems and structure and business model in place so that you're not working all the time and you have more leverage and more flexibility. So the mom entrepreneur thing is kind of just my metaphor um, or my way of saying like if you want to have a life while you're making a living and you don't want this business to just be this all-consuming thing, (laughs) I can help you figure out how to uncomplicate it and streamline it so that you do have that space. Uh No, that's exactly what everyone would want, even myself, you know. If I look back now, you know, after you've been telling all these things, I look back at my life, of course, I would like a bit more laid-back lifestyle. Um, Even, (laughs) uh, you know, actually, yeah, I'd like to do it before I'm forced to do it, you know. Uh, while I have an option to take my time perhaps to implement these uh, systems and processes, you know. And, you know, talking about systems and processes, maybe we can go a little bit deeper. Uh, What sort of methods do you use to set up and maintain this kind of lifestyle? I believe, yes, there should be systems, processes, and perhaps virtual assistants and whatnot. Yeah, and even before I had virtual assistants, um, I had some systems in place that really helped me. And I think the biggest thing is creating like some space between work time and the rest of your life. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I'm so guilty of this, it is so hard to turn off that part of our brain that is wanting to think about our business all the time. Like we're obsessive, right? Again, like back to the relationship metaphor, this is that like absolutely obsessed mindset where all we do is think about our business or all we do is think about, oh, this would be so cool to do or that program would be so cool to create or what if we did this or that or this or that. But the problem is you're never present for anything else if you're always thinking about it and you're always, you know, sitting there on your computer or sitting there on your iPhone or whatever it is. Um, So one of the first things that I've always done and that I teach almost all of my clients to do is to create what I call a model calendar. It's like an ideal week where you take out a calendar and you block out the important things for you in your life. And it sounds so simple, but most people do it backwards. And here's what happens. Most people think they need their ideal calendar. And so they start with all the work things they know they need to do. And so they start saying, well, I've got to write my newsletter this week. I've got to have client times this week. I've got to have administrative time. And they start plugging in their calendar with all their work stuff. And then they don't ever have time to go on a walk every day or to make a healthy meal for themselves or to have a regular date night with their significant other. And so the way I teach it is completely different. I want everybody to create a model calendar that starts with the important things in your life and then build your business around that. Because if you start with those important things in your life, if you make time for your relationships, guess what? You're going to have great relationships. If you make time to move your body and whether that's going to the gym or going to walk or going to yoga, whatever, if you make time for that every day, guess what? You'll be healthy. If you, if you make time to cook or to go to the farmer's market and get everything, then it, like, it all becomes easier and you take better care of yourself and the people you love when you make them a priority. But it's really hard to make them a priority if you're trying to squeeze them in around this all-consuming business. So it's kind of like breaking this bad habit where we think that our business needs to come first. It's not true. Your business is important. And yes, it's what pays for your life. But you can always squeeze it in between 
the bigger important things for you in your life. So once you have those parts planned out and you've kind of started to see what personal time do you need? For me, I need personal time first thing in the morning. I'm not somebody who can jump up and work right away. I need like a good hour of quiet time. And that's what I call paying myself first. I, before I take care of my kids or my husband or any of my clients or anything, I wake up, I take a walk, I drink some hot water with lemon, I do some meditation, I might have a short yoga practice. Sometimes I'll do some journaling or I'll read something that's maybe more uplifting or inspirational. But that first hour of the day is like one of the most important parts of my model calendar. If I don't have it, like the rest of my life will quickly become stressful. Like this is part of how I just take care of myself. Um, And then other things like if I don't have things scheduled out in the evenings, I will be on my computer. I will be there doing what everyone else does, reading everybody else's blogs and writing stuff and working on other things. So we've blocked out days for our family. Like Monday's my husband's soccer day. So that's when I go and the kids and I have a special time together because my husband's playing soccer. Tuesday's is date night. Wednesday's is ballet night for my little girl. Thursday's is game night. Friday's is movie night as a family. So we kind of have these things to look forward to And as a result, our kids get excited because they know what's coming each day. We're getting quality time with our kids, quality times with our family. We're all, you know, on the same page with stuff. And it's not something that five years down the road, this was my, my worst nightmare was that I would wake up and five years down the road think, oh God, I haven't really spent as much time with my kids as I had hoped. I want, I want to make sure I'm doing that now because it does go by so incredibly, so incredibly fast. Um, and now that my twins are five, I'm like, oh my gosh, it has gone by incredibly fast. So I want to make sure that every week those big things are in place so that we're all taking care of each other. If by any chance you, just like Rachel, are having nightmares that, uh, you know, of you not spending enough time with your family, you are you are very lucky. Because I'd rather you to have a nightmare of it than wake up one day and realize it's reality. A nightmare should be a wake-up call that your work-life, uh, work-family balance is not really in the right ratio. Look at it, be realistic, brutal if needed, and get it sorted. Have you ever if you want to find out more about Rachel, my today's guest, uh, see our show notes, check out the music we play here, or uh, check out the sponsors, um, you got to head over to onhumans.com forward slash 31. Um, while I'm at this, so let's say a big thank you to one of our today's episodes, sponsors, happier.com, which is a mobile app, a website. Uh, that lets you share the happiest moments of your life as well as um, celebrate the happiest moments of someone else's life. Uh, you are, of course, uh, listening to me, James Richmond, as well as uh, to On Humans, your daily personal development podcast show about what it really means to be human.
on, on this show I have I actually have mentioned many times you know example of the, what we see um, on airplanes on instruction you know on this uh, emergency instruction thingy it says yeah. that you know before you sort of look after and try to save whatever elderly or your kid uh, put your uh, life vest on yourself first because if you're not alive yeah. how can you help your kids you know so this I think goes back to the same thing you know um, yeah and actually I liked how you mentioned that it's hard you mentioned the brain bit you mentioned the brain part because usually people you know say like you know st- stop walking around with your phone put it down you know uh, when you take breaks from work you know don't just stretch just there in front of the screen on the same chair that's not a break you know get away from the screen but you are taking it to a completely different level you actually you are actually making people give the the entire brain a break from work and again i i can see definitely making a sense because you know there's also this this good saying that um in order to solve a problem, whatever the problem is, you've got to step out of it, you know, look at it from a completely different angle, like get out of, out of your body, you know. So maybe you can explain uh, and share your experience with that, how it has helped you, you know. Um, yeah. Um, I'm kind of obsessed right now with learning about, well, I'm obsessed with personal self-care and what I'm calling professional self-care, which is this whole like finding this work-life balance and creating these boundaries. But I'm, Part of the reason for that is I started realizing, like I said, I went from this high stress consulting job into basically becoming an entrepreneur, which is also a high stress job. And I started carrying bad habits into it, bad habits that I had before thinking, oh, well, thinking the mindset, this is going to be really hard. I have to work really hard. I have to work really long hours. None of that has to be true. Um, FYI, (laughs) none of it has to be true. You get to decide if it's going to be really hard and if you're going to work really long hours. Um, But I started looking at creativity and this, as you start studying creativity and productivity and all this really cool science about how we can do our best, highest level work, you start studying people who are super high performers, like prolific writers um, or artists or anybody who's just creating amazing stuff on a regular basis. What's interesting is that um, most of them know that they have to give their brain a break and they actually build it in to their routines and they do it in small ways. Some of them are just things like making as little stress as possible in in little parts of their life. So like an example, Steve Jobs always wore the same black shirt, right? Um, Mark Zuckerberg does the same thing now, like always wearing the same thing. It's because it It's one less decision to make, one less thing to stress about. Um, There's some writers who eat the same thing for breakfast every day, the same thing for lunch every day. And it sounds so mundane, but at the same time, like it's one less piece of stress. It reduces stress overall because you're not worried about it. You're not thinking about it. So I was like, well, what can I do every day that would reduce stress around food, but still help me eat well? Okay, I can make a green smoothie every day. That's my breakfast. I don't even think about it. It's just that's the the deal. <laughs> and we keep it as simple as possible. Um, but this whole idea of a creative pause is something I first heard about. I think I heard about it through Twyla Tharp. And then there's another couple of great books. Um, I think it might be The Power of Habit too. There's a lot of people writing about creativity and building these really good habits for yourself and becoming more productive, but not more productive in the fa- in the way that most people think where you're just getting as much checked off the list as possible. It's more like 
um, not about qual quantity productivity, it's about quality productivity. And if you want quality productivity, if you're going to do especially creative work, like you're going to write, you're going to teach, you're working on a book, or you want to create a program, whatever it is, um, you have to break away. You have to get up from the screen. And they're saying if you're working more than six to eight hours a day, like you're actually reversing how productive you are because your brain cannot handle it. So there's this big myth that if you work harder, you're getting so much more done, but it's not true. The research is showing that if you're working more hours for the sake of working more hours, you're wearing your brain down. So you're actually wearing out your brain. It's getting tired. It's not as focused. It's not as sharp. It's not making the creative connections it possibly could. And if you take a break, even like getting up and walking around your neighborhood for just half an hour every day, those connections that you're looking for, like the things you're trying to figure out, the thing you want to write about or blog about, it'll come together. It'll suddenly hit you because you've let your subconscious take over and you're not just flooding your brain with like too much input at the same time. Um, and another part are the creative pause, aside from just building them into your day, which I do all the time now, like I don't eat in front of my computer. That was a hard one to break. I'm really good at mindlessly eating. So I had to stop eating in front of my computer. That's a great break to actually have a meal and pay attention to what you're eating or going on a walk and not taking a headset or a, a um, iPhone or something where I, I used to walk and listen to podcasts. And I was like, what would happen if I just walked and like, walked and listened to the birds or something. It seems so crazy to me now. I was so uncomfortable, but I felt so much more refreshed. Um, but you can take that to the, another extreme, like just unplugging for a day, no computers for a day, um, or taking what I call a business shavasana, which is just really taking like a three or four day weekend completely away from your business, like a vacation. Like those used to exist for people and now they don't because everybody takes their phones and their laptops on vacation with them. And I realized that the people who are at the top of their game, who are peak performers, they actually plan in these breaks, like maybe even just one day a week or um, a weekend every month where they completely unplug and they go do something fun. But that something fun is what allows them to come back and be amazing the next day. Uh -huh. So now I'm glad you mentioned these things because now uh, one thing is clear, you've stopped listening to my podcast, unfortunately, because um, you don't, don't take headphones with you anymore. So I lost one listener. Um, now re regards, regards, um, regards, regards, uh, taking a break. Yeah, actually, recently my business partner, um, two weeks ago, took a whole week break away, no phone, no computer, no nothing. Oh no, man, it helped him. It was by nature, by animals, everywhere, because he, he had lost motivation a little bit and purpose, and so he definitely changed things around, absolutely. So I can I can imagine how it works out, yes. Now then, I want to ask you what do you think about someone like, someone called Elon Musk, where he says, uh, well, he works, what did he say? 80, 80 to 100 hours a week and he says that uh, he needs to do that because if you want to succeed in your life you've got to work hard because while someone else will take say one year to achieve something you'll get it done in four months so you'll be always ahead of your competitor and hence he launches rockets he creates cars and it's an example of a highly achieving person what are your thoughts yeah um I don't want to compare apples to oranges with that, though, because 
what his definition of success is, obviously doing all of these things like whatever, rockets, cars, whatever, um, it's obviously a very different success than the, the version that I have. I'm actually okay with growing slowly. I'm okay with my business taking its time. Um, I'm okay with taking my time making things and and creating them for the world. I don't want to rush. I also don't believe that there's competition in the way that most entrepreneurs believe in competition because most of the people that are in my world doing similar work, our clients are still going like most of my clients have also worked with another coach at some point. They've, they've taken another online training at some point. So I don't ever think of it as I need to, you know, beat the competition. I want to support the competition. I want everybody to be the best at what they are the best at. And let's support and encourage each other to stand in our own kind of zone of genius. And for me, being in that zone of genius requires me to slow down. It requires me to be um, more intuitive. It requires me to have a lot of quiet time. And if I work too hard, this has been a, a constant problem because I am an overachiever. I, I do want to have, you know, the monetary success too. Um, but it can also distract me from what I'm supposed to be doing from my real Dharma in the world. So I have to, I have to use that as a way to pull myself back a little bit and keep me from making that the only part of my success equation because it's not the only part of the success equation for me. So I'm glad for him that he wants to work 100 hours a week. Um, I know a lot of people in this world, like a lot of innovation in this world is driven by people who want to work 100 hours a week. Cool. If that's their version of success, go for it. It's not mine. And I'm at this stage in my life, this season of my life with small children and everything else, I'm okay with being a little bit more fluid with everything. Wow, yeah, see, this is inspirational, actually, because it's so hard in these days, you know, to slow down and take your time to actually put your um, time and energy in your craft, especially because, yeah. you know, the, the kinds of speeds we are talking about when it comes to, you know, social media and stuff, you know, put, trying to put something out in the world, you know. So, so for instance, you know, on Humans Show, we are not anywhere on Twitter or on Facebook or anywhere else, you know, because I've had some people give me genuine reasons why I should be, but a lot of them are sort of think, you know, you could spread quicker, you know, you could get viral shares, you know, if some podcast episode is so good, you know, you could get, yeah. I don't need it because, okay, I can get these shares and whatnot, you know. But then again, it's it's those people who give me these short interactions, like uh, share and blah blah blah, all these little things. I'd much rather take my time, get, get on someone else's podcast as a guest, and talk about my show. And I know that person is already listening on iTunes, so they prefer this kind of format. And I'll maybe get one guest, but he will listen to the entire hour of a podcast and sure. maybe send me an email. So it is kind of conflicting. It's hard, you know, especially because for someone like podcasts and it, on this show as well, I'll be open about it. Uh, the idea to su support the show and sustain the show is through sponsorships and sponsorships, of course, always ask, you know, how many downloads you have. But then I have to argue with them. It's not about the amount of downloads. It's, you know, how engaging the audience is, how much they believe in me, you know. So sure. fair play and all bravery to you. Uh, has it come well, and, easy or and hard that to you? I just, it's hard because we all have this fear of missing out, that FOMO, fear of missing out. It's epidemic right now. And this is part of why, um, especially being an online entrepreneur, having a more online business or an online platform where you're talking to people, 
What was, there was a statistic I read not long ago saying, you know, it used to take hundreds of years for the amount of information in the world to like disseminate across the world. Now we're talking like weeks before the amount of information out there has doubled. Like there are so many podcasts, there's so many blogs, there's so many, there's so much noise. So how do you cut through the noise as, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who has a message, who wants to impact somebody in a way, if your answer is to do more, then I feel like you're just wanting to contribute to the noise. I don't feel like more is the answer. I feel like less, but with more intention, with more clarity, with more purpose, that's how you cut through the noise. It's not about doing as much as possible. It's about doing the the best, being on point and knowing exactly what you talk about. If you can do that, like the people who are just amazing to me right now, they don't even... They don't blog every day. They're not on every social media channel. They pick the one thing that works for them or the, you know, the few things that work for them and really get good at them and really master them. I think too often we're told we should do all, we should do all the things. We should be on every possible social media channel. We should do every marketing strategy. And at the end of the day, like if I sit down and track my own metrics, I know that for me and my personality, um, yes, that I'm an online entrepreneur, but most people come to me not because of like some marketing tactic I did. They usually come to me because a friend was a client or a student of mine or is in my community and forwarded something. It's still one-to-one. We think that we're like having all this viral traffic, like there are all these in- invisible people. They're still people And guess what? They're probably finding you in a really natural, organic way that's so high touch. It's not as high tech as everybody thinks. So I can look at almost all of my students and most of them are coming because of a personal recommendation from a friend. They're coming because someone forwarded an email to them or someone shared a post that I wrote on Facebook and said, you need to go read what she's writing about right now. So I think um, we get obsessed with all this high tech. We get obsessed with all the tips and tricks and tactics But what if you let go of that? What if you let go of all of the, you know, be everywhere noise and instead focused on how can I really connect deeply with the type of person I want to serve? And what's the easiest, simplest thing I could do to get my message to them? Now that's hell of an advice. Instead of worrying about, you know, how to be everywhere, which Rachel calls noise, why why not think about, you know, what are the ways, you know, how can I really connect deeply with that particular person or a group of people, individuals, really niche down, that uh, I really uh, want to serve. If you want to see what Rachel is up to, find out more about my guest Rachel, or just check out uh, our show notes, um, our sponsors, our music, or just, you know, share this episode with your friends. you got to head over to onhumans.com forward slash 31, just 3, 1, 2 numbers. Uh, also, a big, 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 big thank you to one of our um, today's episode sponsors, 
Uh, Mind Valley, uh, Mind Valley Academy. Um, guys over there are creating some beautiful, beautiful courses and mobile apps about self-growth and personal development, so that you can become a better version of yourself. I am James Richman, and you, of course, are still listening to your daily personal development podcast show about what it really means to be human. Yeah, I mean, this again boils down to your self-doubts, your self-confidence, you know, because those people that I've seen who have managed to work this thing out, you know, uh, say appearance, you know, so that you don't have to look exactly the same, women look in the magazines, and, and so many all these things, you know, superstitious and all that stuff, you know, once they get over something like that, then everything else that, that is similar to this kind of stuff comes easy to them as well, and that's why I put it all in the same box, you know. Because it's not that you just wake up one day, mm, I want 1,000 shares. It's because someone else has it and someone talks about, hey, that article got 1,000 shares. And that's the metric of success again, you know. But then you said, yeah. you know, it's really the one share that is passed on from your friend. Um, yeah, and sometimes you never know what it's going to be either. I'm always amazed, like, some, if I, I can write an article and I think it's amazing and I, like, really worked so hard on it, and it's it does okay. But then something that just was so easy to write, that's the one that gets shared all over the place. So if, if you're always stuck on the numbers, like let go of the numbers just a little bit, <laughs> like get to the heart of the matter. Like what are you here to help people with? And what's, what is it that they're asking? And I also liked what you mentioned about, um, not spending, you know, all the time doing your work, you know, because obviously you're not as productive anymore. And then, can't remember, was it a book or an article? Someone talked about vitality, you know, choosing the most vital and essential actions to do within 24 hours. And like, like really, you know, obviously the most basic thing is, you know, learn how to say no, but that's the basic level. But there, whoever wrote it, can't remember now, he was diving in real deep into it, you know. He was like, is this particular action really essential, really vital uh, to do? Um, so it's the same concept, I believe. You know, that yeah, you can't. learning to say no is so hard. And I can't remember who... Maybe it was Steve Jobs again. Somebody, somebody wrote about this. Um, and I'm reading a lot about this because this is my own personal, like, this is what I'm working on a lot right now. I'm getting asked a lot of things and I'm having to turn down a lot of things. Saying no is so incredibly hard because it's that whole fear of missing out. Like, what if this is the interview that gets shared the most? Or what if this is the connection that will help me, you know, publish my book? Or what if this, what if that? But if you, if you keep saying yes all the time, like I understand saying yes to get started because you need those first things just to get the ball rolling. But once the ball's rolling, if you don't start saying no, then suddenly you will have no time left to focus on what really matters to you or what you really should be working on in your business. And it's a muscle that you have to build. I actually, um, my team is in charge of saying no right now for me. Like they kick me out of my inbox. I'm not allowed to answer emails. Um, and we have a whole screening process for things that the requests that come in because 
a lot of them aren't aligned with what I'm trying to do anymore. And I, I find that if I start answering, I get the whole people pleaser part of me that's like, well, maybe I could make this work, even though I really need to be thinking, this isn't a fit. No, I have a hard time with it. So I've had to have people help me say no, because it is so hard. Well, you can say a massive thank you to your people for not saying no to me. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever are those magical people, they said, yes, I'm so thankful. And I said, (laughs) having you on a show now. Uh, So, yeah, luck does exist. Um, Yeah, what I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to ask you about uh, is, um, even though you say that, you know, you're not rushing to... To succeed, I mean, massively, large scale, make massive impact, scale, grow, all these things, you know, you like to take your time and just do the craft. Eventually, you scale, eventually you grow. Might not be as fast as all the big companies and so on. What happens when you scale? What happens when you grow? Do you have any clients that you can talk about from experience? Because I've seen a lot of examples that that's when it gets really ruined. Because when you scale, when you grow, there's so much more to take care of. Your mindset changes yeah. again. You can't take the, the care of the craft. You know, the, the usual simple example, you know, a freelancer starts off doing whatever, graphic design, gets so many clients, he needs to hire more and more people, turns out to be 10 to 15 people team. Now he's a businessman. He, he, he's got no time to do the craft. You know, that's a basic example. Oh, my gosh. I've gone through this a couple times. Um well, a few years ago when I decided I was going to add in a group online training program, that was my first big thing that was scaled. So it was no longer just working one-on-one. I was working with like 25, 50 people at a time. Um, and for me though, I once I got through the program, I created the program, I launched the program, I ran the program, I was torn between now do I just market it and fill it up again and again and again? Do I set it up and just have like as many people as I can get into it? Because at some point, some of the marketing becomes almost like an equation, right? Like, you know, if you can get it in front of enough people, you'll get more people in the program. And that's why so many people, especially in the online space, continue to do well because they just send massive amounts of traffic um, to whatever their program is and they run Facebook ads and all these cool things. But the problem I have with that is when I was a participant in programs like that, where I was one of, if not hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, was that there was no connection. And I'm driven by connection. I want to know that, you know, whether it's a personal thing that I'm doing, and I, I do programs for everything. I'm, I love personal development. I love getting better at all the areas of my life. So, I mean, I've invested in everything from health pro, health coaching programs to um, cleanses to emotional growth programs to parenting programs. I mean, I've invested in all sorts of things. And the one thing I noticed is the ones that were marketed where it was more about get as many sales as possible never felt authentic to me because I just felt like a number. I just felt like a PayPal account. And the ones that I got the most out of were the ones where there was connection, where there was somebody on the other end, a real life person who I could really talk to or ask a question of, even in a group format. Um, So that was my first challenge with scaling was the first, as I started to scale my program, which is called conscious business design. Initially, I was like, well, I'll just make it available and I'll just send traffic to it. Well, I ended up with too many people in it and managing it was, and, and for me, too many people was like a hundred people at a time. I just felt really overwhelmed because you're going to get emails. You're going to get questions. Um, 
you're going to get all these things like technical things going on. And I was just feeling like they're not getting the level of service they deserve for what, you know, what they just invested for this program. And just, this isn't the level of service I wanted to offer. So I actually scaled back. I, I capped my program sizes. I cap it at 50 people a time. And then the next problem became, how do I keep the level of service? So I realized I had to start training other people to coach with me in the program. So this past year, I brought on two alumni who I've trained now, and there are success coaches in the program. And like nobody does this. I feel like nobody does this because they're all focused on getting as many people as possible. I want to make sure it's like a classroom. Like if Because I, I did teach in a classroom setting. I was getting my MBA. I taught undergrads, marketing and economics and all these fun, exciting things, right? But I know that there's a big difference between a class of 25 people where I know everybody's name and I know where their sticking points are and I know where they're struggling a little bit and a class like if, if you remember back to school like these big rooms where there's like 200 kids in a room professor has no idea who you are um, they don't know your name they don't even grade your paper some teaching assistant grades your paper like I didn't thrive in that environment and most people I find really don't so for me scaling has been how do I continue to provide as much as much support as possible. Um, f- let them feel like they have access, if not to me, then to somebody I've trained who I've worked with for a long period of time and I trust th- that they can help people get forward and not get stuck on whatever they're working on. Um, but yeah, that scaling piece is a big challenge. Like last year, my business tripled over the year before. I didn't mean for it to, Um, it was a great thing. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't aiming that high. It way exceeded my expectations. Um, which was amazing because we got to do some great things that I wouldn't have been able to do. My husband was able to leave his job and come work with me, but it also meant I had to hire a lot of people on my support staff, um, to help me. And so now, like you said, I've got a team of 12 people plus me and my husband, And to me, that feels like, okay, how do I make sure that this is working so I'm not spending all my time managing people? Um, And it meant getting really good at hiring people. It meant getting really good at letting the wrong people go. And it also meant getting really clear that my role isn't the manager. I actually have somebody on my team who manages the team. And that way, I'm spending four out of five days a week doing the creative stuff, working with my clients or working on things for my clients. So it just takes a lot of conscious decision-making, saying no, and remembering where my zone of genius is. My zone of genius is not managing a team of 12. Um, My zone of genius is not all the nitty... I'm not good at detail stuff. I notice the details, but I don't want to do the detail stuff. I want them to do that. So for me, as, as much as I can stay focused, and again, I use my model calendar. I have my model calendar. Everybody on the team has their own model calendar where they're all focused on what they're the best at. And it's how we keep making sure that, you know, we're moving forward. Um, But I have had to scale back sometimes and I do purposely slow myself down. Um, In fact, I was look, I was talking with my, I have a CFO who I've hired and he was running through my numbers and he's like, well, you can break half a million this year if you want. And I was like, okay, well, what does that look like in terms of like, what, what do I have to do for sales? And he, so he started breaking down the numbers and I was like, okay, for me to have that many more people, it's going to require me to work this much more or else I'm going to have to hire some train someone else. And I started looking at it and I was like, I'm okay with, with coming down off that just a little bit so that I'm not over 
working and so that I can put the right person in place. I'd rather put the right person in place than aim for some big number and then feel stressed out that, you know, I have to take on all the responsibility for that. Yeah, well, no, that's it. I mean, <laughs> luckily, you know, luckily it, it is what, what you teach, actually, you know. The balance between uh, work, work-life balance, about creating these kind of systems, creating yeah. environment, uh, work environment that loves you back, you know. So in that way, you are you are fortunate, you know. So it's not, you don't feel too much pain that you even uh, have scaled after even you have scaled. It's just that, yeah, like you said, you can't uh, give enough um, support as much as you wanted, would would want yeah. to. Uh, but then, of course, like I mentioned, there are more unfortunate cases, you know, where someone is doing the actual craft, like, you know, he his job is just designing or, you know, creating videos, whatever it is, you know, he enjoys that. And then he's pushed into managing business and doing that. And that's not nothing he teaches, you know. So for you, this is, yeah. you just you just come across as someone really, really credible right now, you know. So if I was about to uh, become your client, I'd be like, fair play, you know what I mean? You've been through ups and downs, you've been through through hardship so you know yeah you know what it feels like um and the funny thing also is i just caught you know how ego works we were talking about comparing things and everything else so you're talking there about you know you could break half a million your business tripled you're hiring 12 people i'm like damn it i'm a sucker just running a bloody podcast <laughs> and i'm like calm down it's about the craft it's about the art <laughs> it is but remember like it's been a long trip here and i I I say those numbers not to like be like ooh look at me but it's been 8 years. It's been a long time. Um and I've I've grown relatively slowly compared to a lot of other people with the type of business model that I have. Um I have several friends who've broken the seven figure mark. But I also watch them and I'm like I don't want what you have right now because um, I, I don't feel like the infrastructure is there for it. And I also just don't want the stress. I would rather keep it small and simple right now. So I do want to reach and impact more people, but I don't feel reaching and impacting more people is always tied to the size of your business. And I don't think it always has to be as, um, as complicated as everybody seems to make it. I think it can be simpler, but part of the stuff with scaling for me, like making the decision this year that I want to write a book instead of working with more one-on-one clients. That was so hard for me. Cause I, like I said, I crave connection. I love working with people um, and actually turning people away and saying, no, I have this book here that I'm trying to write. Um, it was really hard. Some of the decisions you have to make in order to continue growing or continue going where you want to go. But it took me five years to get to the point where my business wasn't dependent on one-on-one work because for a long time it was. And because I didn't scale my group program so fast, it took me a while for that group program to catch up and, and replace my one-on-one work. Um, so it it's all about conscious decision-making, I think, and figuring out, What's the speed that you want to operate at? Um, If you're one of those people that wants to, instead of taking five years, you want to take one year, good on you. It's going to take a lot of work. You're going to work really, really, really hard. And I sure hope that you don't have a family that wants to see you that year. I wanted to see my family, so I took a little while longer. I had family I wanted to see, so I took a little while longer. I mean, that explains everything, doesn't it? 
Um, if you want to do things much quicker than others and are ready to put that extra hard work into whatever you do, just make sure you don't have family who wants to see you. Brutal, but honest. Honest, you know, what else can I say? Today on the show I have uh, Rachel Cook and we talk about, you know, how to create a business uh, you love and that loves you back as well. If you want to check out our show notes or just, you know, pass this episode on to someone you really care about and want to share this episode with, head over to onhumans.com forward slash 31, just 3-1. I'm James Richman and this is your daily personal development podcast show about what it really means to be human. And the funniest thing is, I've asked a lot of people, you know, actually also entrepreneur-minded people, you know, you know, when you're planning to have a family or kids, you know, and they're like, not for quite some time, I'm too selfish now. You know, again, you know, personal development or business or whatever it is. And then, well, I'm glad they know it. <laughs> yeah, but to, to, to end, end off the story, uh, um, we have another friend in common, you know, um, who used to say the same thing, but then actually the good thing is he was present when I had this conversation and he said, you know what, man? I was thinking the same way. But once I had kids, I just changed. Because uh, the family does... Ch- I don't know, you got to be... I don't know, you got to be stupid or something. If you have kids and you have family and you don't see it, if you don't feel that they need you, I mean, sorry, you know, to be brutal, but I mean, you, they are your kids, your family. You should be able to feel that they need you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, want- I think it's different for everybody, though. Um, my... I was raised by two entrepreneurs who were both workaholics and for them, the way they, they took care of us was working so hard. So maybe that's part of why I'm so like, I want to spend time with my kids because I didn't see my dad sometimes until the weekend um, because he was just working so hard. So to each his own, everybody has to walk their own path. But even then what you just mentioned, I, I, there's, there's a good example here that I think a lot of people like, for instance, your parents who are workaholics, it wasn't that they chose work instead of you. I think you tried to mention it. I think they worked so hard because that's the way they felt they could take care of you the best way, you know, yeah. not that they replaced you. So they, they still gave you oh, yeah. love, but in a different way. Absolutely. And I mean, and of course, they started their business before the age of the Internet. So it really was like a completely different world when they were doing that. So I think there's a million ways to make a a business and a life that you really love, that you're obsessed with, that you absolutely adore. I think there's seasons in life and business. And I think sometimes you're going to work hard and put some of your personal life on hold. And sometimes you've got to take care of your personal life. Um, I think the big thing, though, is to make sure that there's always a balance. Like there are weeks, there are months even where I'm in like a creative cave working on something And I barely come up for air because I have a deadline and I've got to get it out there. But I always make sure that after that season, I've built in downtime. I've built in family time. I've built in rest. Otherwise, I would burn myself out completely. And I think one of the biggest reasons people struggle 
I mean, honestly, the biggest reasons I think, um, especially women struggle in business and they fail, I think it's like a 80% failure rate within the first 18 months of being an entrepreneur is because of the burnout. It's because of the exhaustion. And if you just take better care of yourself and you go into it knowing that if you're taking care of yourself while you're growing your business, you're more likely to stick it out. Uh, the outcomes are so much better and it's so much more fun. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've experienced it myself and I've seen many examples like that. Um, but it's hard to see it, of course, because all you're trying to do is, you know, launch that baby. You know, it's it's, it's, your, yeah. it's your idea, you know. And again, you know, oh, I might be missing out. Someone might steal my idea. Uh, interesting, interesting. But talking about the internet age, talking about opportunities that you have and your parents didn't have, of course, you know, you were putting a lot of effort into your uh, web presence and to your website. Um, and I'm looking at something now that I'd like to find out more about i believe it is 20 right oh god what's on there <laughs> uh, no 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 i think no it's uh, uh you, you have many sort of what do you call them you call them uh, opt-in boxes i believe to your email newsletter sure and there are different uh teasers you know that i'd like to ask about you know so um things like end overwhelm turn your dreams into inspired action um ready for more ease plus less stress in your business so these are the things we are uh, prioritize yeah. plan and boost your productivity with the fired up and focus challenge starts may 4th wow see these are the things we talked about uh you know these are the, you don't mind yeah. sharing but then there is something i believe behind this, what do you call it? Join the challenge. I'm ready to get fired up. Maybe you can talk more about what's behind there, what's inside there, because I believe a lot of people will want to join. Sure. Um, I actually, about a year and a half ago, created this challenge um, called the Fired Up and Focus Challenge, and it's a 21-day kind of productivity and CEO mindset challenge that helps you to really streamline your business, streamline the way you approach your day so that you show up more present, more productive, and really start doing your best, highest value work, the, the zone of genius work that you're here to do in the world. Um, and so you can grab it at rachelcook.com or at firedupandfocused.com. It's funny because um, I created it again. This is like by accident. It's it's something that just kind of fell into my lap because I was hosting a live in-person event with about 25 of my clients and some other people. And as I was going around the room at this small like event, asking them, okay, what do you want to get out of this weekend? What do you want to get out of this weekend together? I had at least five of my private clients there and they all said, well, I'm really hoping you're going to talk about the productivity, or I'm really hoping you're going to talk about how to set up my work day. I'm really hoping you're going to talk about how to create my model calendar. And I was kind of like, didn't even think, I thought I was showing up to talk about marketing. <laughs> and they're telling me, no, what I got the most out of our time together was like, the marketing was great. But you know what? I, after our time together, I was so much better as a CEO. I was so much better as an entrepreneur because I knew what I was supposed to do each day and I wasn't flying by the seat of my pants and always putting out fires. And apparently that's how most people operate as entrepreneurs. They're flying by the seat of their pants, kind of not really sure what they should be focused on. Um, and they're always feeling like everything's an emergency. They're putting out fires all the time. 
And it's just a really stressful way to run your business. So the, the Fired Up and Focus Challenge started because I had all these clients come back to me and say, I loved all the marketing, but what I really needed before we ever talked about that and what I got the most out of was when we did this. And so I created this free 21-day challenge to help people really simplify their business so that you can have a life. Wow, this is great. I might even pop into that. Cause you now, should. <laughs> yeah, no, even now, because like I said, I challenge myself to do, to publish every day one hour long podcast, you know, and so there's a lot of uh, chaos a lot of times, you know, because sometimes, you know, people pull out, sometimes there's technical problems, all sort of things, you know, so if I had, say, more backup, if I had more preparation, you know, I tried, I have implemented things that I knew from my other businesses, you know, but then there are new things popping up now, and definitely yeah. I'll have a look into that. Now, there's always things popping up. Oh, so. yeah. Fires. <laughs> I have fires to put out. Yeah, there's so. always fires. But your job as an entrepreneur isn't to be a firefighter. Like, if you're always putting out fires, you're going to have a hard time moving forward. So, yeah, join us. It'll be fun. All righty. <laughs> I'll see you in your inbox then. But unfortunately for today, we slowly have to wrap the whole thing up, which consists of three questions, three tasks that uh, most of the guests have managed to you know, find it fun. I hope you will too. But before we jump into that, I have uh, just one personal question that I noticed uh, something about you. Sure. Uh, what, what's your relationship with Kabbalah Red String? With what? Uh, maybe, I'm just asking, I'm just curious. Is there, do you have any relationship with Kabbalah? Kabbalah Red String? Because I, I saw a red string on your arm, or maybe it's not. I don't know if you have heard of that. Oh, have no, to... it's a hair thing. Uh-huh. But it's have just you a at hair least tie. heard of it? Yeah, I have. Ah, okay. I wasn't sure what you were talking about. I was like, what? No, it's just a little hair tie. <laughs> okay, so that's clear then. No more worries. Are you ready to jump into the wrapping up part? Sure. Let's go for it. All righty. So then, uh, first question, I always say is nothing too original, innovative, but very important to our listeners and I hope to you too. Looking back at what we discussed today and summarizing everything, what would be um, two pieces of advice for our listeners? Mm. Two pieces of advice. Um, one, find some quiet time for yourself every day to take care of yourself. For me, that's the best self-care ever is just to have quiet time. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated or long. It could just be... an you know, five minutes before you get moving in the day to sit and gather your thoughts. But it's so important. And everybody I talk to who's implemented that has found that they're so much more present and start off their day much stronger. Um, the other thing would be to try out creating a model calendar. I think I gave enough insight into how to create one, but just kind of put the most important things that you know you want to be investing your time into outside of business. So your health, your relationships, um, your own self-care, your own personal development, your own creativity, like whatever other things are important in your life that you value, make sure you're plugging some time in your calendar for them every single week. Again, it's not about how much time, it's about quality over quantity. So plug it in there and then make your business fit around those things. Great, yeah, two actionable things. And, and the good thing is actually, yeah, you talked about them a little bit during the show, so it's nothing like uh, new and that you have to explain again. For those who want yeah. to hear again, just go a little bit back to what we talked about and you will hear a lot more about it. A second question would be one or a couple of books that you would recommend to listeners. 
Oh, gosh. This is hard for me. Asking me to pick a book is like asking me to pick a child. Um, Okay. One that I'm absolutely obsessed with right now is The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. Anybody who hasn't picked up The Desire Map, it's incredible. It's all about tapping into your core desired feelings, like the way you want to feel each and every day, and using that as a way to set your goals instead of setting goals based on external factors. Um, so it's, it's just a life-changing book for me. Um, another one that kind of taps back into what we've been talking about a lot today would be The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. Twyla Tharp is an amazing choreographer, like one of the most world-renowned choreographers in the world. And she wrote this book on how she's just been so prolific. And it's all about these little rituals and these systems that she puts in place that keep her moving um, every single day and that allow her to produce at such a high level, really high, amazing, amazing work. It's one of my favorites. Well, I can say congratulations to you because you are one of those guests who have managed to recommend a book or few books that are not part of our library yet you know we have a (laughs) book section on the website and so i always congratulate the guests who managed to give a book that is not into in our library yet so thank you for that um the last question which is more actually like a task again um is um challenging but again people usually find it funny and interesting and fun uh what i'm gonna try to do is my mission here is to create this episode um, so that you can fully own it, you know. I want you to take full ownership of this episode. And for me to do that, um, the best way I can think of is to give you full control of this podcast in terms of <laughs> in, t- in terms of naming it. So whatever you're going to name this episode, okay, we're going to put up on iTunes and, uh, and on our website. So it's your honor. Please take it away. Oh, my goodness gracious. We as entrepreneurs Um, shouldn't have too much trouble. We keep creating things. Mind is racing. Ah, it is totally racing. Um, I would probably say just create a business that you love that loves you back. And I absolutely love it. Because again, it resonates to what it is that you do. Yeah. It's uh, th- those are the words you use yourself, and like I said, it really, uh, yeah, it, it it grabbed my attention. Business that loves you back. Never never heard that before. So I think that's going to be a biggie. That's going to be a biggie, honestly. Great, thank you. That loves you back. Yeah, no, I can see it. I can see it up there. Um, no, <laughs> I don't. But no, every time guests suggest me a, a title, I know where I'm where I have to put them. You know, on the website and on iTunes. So I try to picture it. Uh, yes. I would bam click on now it. Now you can see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, visualize go. it. So that's great. All righty then. That's uh, that's it from me. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, you still can't go because you still owe us something, uh, and you <laughs> owe us a selfish, not selfish, shameless, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> shameless plug. Yes, take it away. Um, if you want to learn more about creating a business you love that loves you back and making more space for what matters in your life, then I'd love to hear from you guys. Come on over to really rachelcook.com. We have a ton of great content as well as the fired up and focus challenge, which is available pretty much all the time for you to plan, prioritize and get into inspired action. Fantastic. Um, okay. I actually decided I'll ask you something that I, I ask most of the guests. <laughs> From one to ten, 
uh, how likely would you be uh, coming back to this episode doing part two? How likely would I be? Yeah, back how to this how likely episode? is it that you would come back one to ten and do a part two? Mm, <laughs> part two. I'd be interested in coming back for a part two. Definitely a ten. Okay, it could be fun. Great. Um, that's not a promise, of course, you know, because things things might things. I'm not asking <laughs> you to, asking you to promise, but at least it's something. It's a teaser for our listeners, you know, because I keep repeating this. Sure. You know, I don't want you to be one day one-off hit wonder. You know, I want you to. I want to build a relationship between the listeners and you. Sure. Um, so when you have something else to sell, like a book that you are writing, people already know you. Ugh. You know. Yeah. If I can just get this darn book done. This is I the th- summer of the book. This is the summer of writing the book. That's the season. Book so writing. no more podcast interviews. I'm the lucky one, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I grabbed you before. Yeah, I'm about to, about to go into the creative cave and just be writing all summer. <laughs> all right, then. I have to say goodbye. That's it from me. Uh, thank, thank you very you much so for much. being here today. Thank you for having me. And that's, my friend, how you create business you love and business that loves you back. From Rachel Cook. Feel free to share this episode with your friends. Uh, if you head over to onhumans.com forward slash 31, just 31. I was James Richman, and you've been listening to On Humans, your daily personal development podcast show about what it really means to be human. Let's go Let's go feed.